You're listening to Coffee with Innovate Finance, where we speak with experts from the industry on the changing face of financial services and the future of fintech and financial innovation. I am Rashi Pandey, Head of Membership and Growth, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Ian Sutherland, who is the CFO and Head of Net Zero at Tide. So Tide, as many of us know, is a business financial platform and the leading provider of digital business banking services in the UK. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ian. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. It really is. So, you know, being a CFO and the head of net zero at the same time at Tide, what does your day look like? Um, yeah, so I mean, I've I've been the CFO at Tide for for five years now. You know, I'm you know f- fully enjoying the the fintech journey of of a growth business. Uh, for a couple of years, we've been thinking about you know our own net zero policies. So I've you know led into that topic quite quite substantially, and and over time uh, was sucked into because I mean I'm really passionate about about you know solving the the climate crisis and doing whatever we can i think tide has a hugely important place in in this um in this ecosystem particularly because we have you know over half a million of smes in the uk now so so we want to make sure that we you know we've thought about net zero in a in a clear way you know so so be spending a lot of time on it and, and over time that became a role in itself so so not only do i you know look after the finance at tide um which is which is a big you know there's a big team behind that now at tide so we've scaled that very very well but the the the, the next the part of the next chapter for me is also thinking about our net zero journey and um, which i'm happy to be here today to talk to you a little bit more about Yes, and I have to say it's been a, an absolute privilege to see your team grow and to achieve all that you have, actually. And you have had very exciting news come out, and that's why we're speaking today. Tide recently became the first fintech in the world to remove 100% of emissions using durable carbon removal. So what does this actually mean? Yeah, so we, we've... um. As I said, we've been thinking about this for some time. You know, obviously, we wanted to figure out for ourselves what net zero means, uh, and so spend a lot of time working with partners and talking to industry uh, about how how to go about our net zero journey, which we knew we wanted to to do and and lead from the front on. So for Tide, that means you know initially figuring out what was our carbon footprint. You know, that was the first step. It was a clear, obvious. Thing to do. So we partnered with a company called Supercritical, who we've been working with for um, a couple of years now. And that that's helped us go on the journey of really understanding where our carbon footprint is and how, my, how many tons of carbon uh, tied as a business emits. Um, so we've been doing that for some time now. We've been reporting to the board uh, on our carbon um, emissions, and we knew that we wanted to, over time, reduce these. Um, but we also knew that we wanted to become net zero. And so a lot of the thinking we've been doing is to think, you know, clearly along the lines of what does net zero mean? Um, and, you know, the more we're thinking we did about that, the more we wanted to align ourselves with the SPTI guidance around net zero, which uh, states quite clearly that, you know, to, to achieve net zero, you need to reduce your emissions by at least 90 to 97%, depending on which economic basis you look at, but also to remove your uh, carbon footprint with uh, durable carbon removals, and we'll get into a bit more hopefully about what that specifically means. But 
the short story is that we purchased uh, durable carbon removal CDR credits totaling our to- our 2022 emissions, which were 3,711 tonnes. We, we did that um, back end of this year, of last year and early this year. Uh, so we've now removed 100% of last year's emissions with these durable carbon removals. Uh, so that's neutralised our carbon footprint. And as I like to say, it's sort of balanced the books of our carbon neutrality um, in an in a, in effective way, in a, in a way that is... Um, leading from the front, and we we haven't seen anybody else, you know, don't do this in fintechs. So we're really proud that we've been able to make that step. But this is the only the start, and there's a long long way to go here. You want to encourage others to do this, uh, and there's a lot long way for us to go in terms of we want to commit to doing that ongoing forevermore. That we want to remove our emissions, but we also want to uh, reduce and and help our members over time uh, to to to. To do similar things, uh, you know, on their own net zero journey. That's really amazing to hear. But I'm sure it did not happen overnight, right? So, what was the journey like to get there? And of course, you know, you guys have expanded globally. So, did having offices globally impact the journey in any way? Yeah. So, so the 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 journey was certainly a learning curve for us all, and and not least myself. You know, I certainly hadn't spent years in this area beforehand but but now i've i've sort of got up speed and and been able to um report things to our board and also internally uh take our take our tidians along on, on the same journey about you know what it means to be net zero uh, so that's been really important we couldn't have done it without partners like supercritical um we also by the way had our our numbers audited by a third party so we knew that we wanted to make sure that we were you know, holding ourselves to highest sort of standards in terms of doing the carbon accounting, and then also holding ourselves to high standards when it comes to removing that carbon. Um, so, so that's where we decided that we were going to purchase these durable carbon removal credits, which are uh, biochar, which we can talk a bit more about later. Um, so, so that that piece was quite intricate. You know, there had a lot of thinking had to go into whether we were, you know, going to buy tree plantation or do sort of other things that might be um, less durable in terms of their um, uh, environmental benefit, but but we we came to the decision that you know we wanted to stick to the SBTI guidance around that. So so that's been quite important and um, a, a big learning for us, uh, which we want to sort of talk about, which is why one of the reasons I'm here. Uh, in terms of how our you know how that's been like for a global business, you know we now have offices in in three primary locations: the UK, obviously. Um, you know, we have a few hundred people in the UK, but we also have a few hundred in, in Bulgaria and Sofia. Um, but, but our largest um, market now for, for employee base is India. So we have, you know, over uh, 500, uh, 500 people in India now. So, so you know, we, we have a distributed workforce uh, across a um, number of continents. Um, and that does, you know, require some thought because ultimately, you know, we we don't want to necessarily be traveling all the time. This is one of the, the one of our biggest lines in our carbon PL is 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 travel, uh, is business travel. So, so we were quite thoughtful about this a, a year or so ago. We we came up with, you know, our, we actually budget our travel based on carbon rather than on on pounds. So or or, or rupees. Uh, so so we're basically making sure that uh, our um, our teams have a separate budget, which is related to their carbon. Uh, we use Travel Park, for example, as a uh, as a, a booking platform, which allows us to accurately measure the the, the carbon cost of each journey. Um, so our teams are able to sort of see what that means in terms of their overall footprint when it comes to business travel. So, 
Uh, and we also have a policy, for example, around that, where if you're going for long haul, you know, we, we encourage everyone to stay for at least over a weekend for a couple for two weeks so that you're maximizing your time in one country and therefore don't have to do so many trips per year. So so we're being quite thoughtful about how we um, manage things as a global business. We're, we're pretty distributed work from home or work remotely uh, workforce, to be honest, you know, we have that policy in place already. So we don't have huge head office costs regarding, um, you know, emissions around uh, heating and electricity in the offices, but we do ca capture the the cost of heating and working from home and things like that. So, so we have to now be quite thoughtful about, you know, what, what are we going to do to help our employees, um, you know, think about that that side of things. You know, also, you know, if we're moving offices, which we're going to do at some point uh, this year uh, for for the UK office, we you know we one of the key items in that uh, decision tree is is really how sort of um, how how uh, uh, how sustainable the the office environment is there in terms of you know the the, the categorization in, in terms of EPC ratings and Bream and things like that. So so we're we're being quite thoughtful about everything really around you know our, our working environments and our footprint for our employees uh, going forward there's lots more initiatives to come and uh you know we, we welcome any 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 new sort of ideas there's lots of lots of companies also thinking about this I'm, I'm sure that's amazing to hear like you said you guys are definitely being very thoughtful and mighty impressive you have 500 people in India now congratulations I I didn't know that actually and of course you know you you mentioned biochar. For our audience, for our listeners, for myself, what is biochar? So biochar is a carbon removal technology. It harnesses the carbon cycle by taking green waste, which would otherwise decompose and become carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It, you know, you're effectively interrupting that ecological cycle of that green waste decomposing and paralyzing it, which is a chemical process where you burn the green waste in a oxygen-free or very limited oxygen container. What that does is creates charcoal, a, a kind of charcoal, um, without burning and creating CO2, which uh, effectively captures that carbon for long term. And the great thing about biochar is it's a magic substance because it, it not only does it capture the carbon and, and breaks that, that cycle, so you're removing the carbon from the atmosphere, you have this end product, this byproduct, which is biochar, which is used uh, in agriculture quite a lot um, to help with providing nutrition to the soil. So it improves farming environments as well, which has a knock-on effect in, in terms of uh, agriculture uh, ongoing. So, so it has multiple benefits. And actually, in some places in India is a, a good example. Uh, so so if, they're, if they're trying to recycle the soil, they, they will burn uh, stubs in terms of the remainder of the crops. And that burning cycle, it, you know, does provide the same sort of nutrition to the soil because you're releasing the, the carbon in the soil, but you're also releasing a huge amount of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, obviously. So you can actually use biochar in, in theory to cut out that um, process as well, because you you effectively, rather than burning in the open atmosphere, you're burning in, in, in pyrolyzers to to stop effectively the air pollution and also the effect that would have on the local environment. So, so it, we think that in the future, biochar is a very scalable technology. 
which could be applied in, in many, many different countries. So we've made our initial investment now, but you know, we're planning to do uh, further investments into this technology and not just biochar, but other durable carbon removal technologies, which, which we ultimately think will be a huge part of the climate, solving the climate yeah. crisis. You know, the, the, these sorts of technologies are very nascent. And one of the, the key things that we've learned is that the marketplace is sort of the kind of economic drivers for businesses at the moment. It doesn't really exist as a as an industry so far. It's, it, there are no, there's no real um, scale in this um, because I think there hasn't been enough spotlight shine, shone on fact these technologies are so effective in the climate crisis so so we wanted to you know we want to be part of that journey um you know if, you, if people are interested there's a great website called cdr.fyi and you can see on there the open source information of all of the carbon credits that have ever been purchased and so we you know tide are in there's one we made one of the most significant purchases ever but you know tide isn't a huge multinational company unlike some of the companies on there uh, you know, Microsoft and things like this. There are businesses on there who are who are obviously giant businesses who have made large purchases, but it's not that the whole economy is is doing this. So, so we think there's a long way to go in terms of developing a solution for the climate crisis, and and we want to be part of investing in that. Thank you uh, for 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 explaining what really is, and you know your process and your work within it as well. And actually, I think I think it follows beautifully to my next question. Actually, why is net zero a priority for you guys, and what does it really mean for your SME members and clients? And why should net zero be a priority for fintechs in general? I think in general, you know, ultimately we we want to. You know, do the right thing. It's clear that um, the world needs to, you know, take collective action. You know, and and you know, if we don't act, there's a lot being said, um, but we think that there's not enough action. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing something that had a meaningful impact, but also showed others a way to to do that. So, you know, really, we're coming at it from perspective of obviously, there's something we want to do here. It's a huge problem. We all collectively need to do something. You know, fintechs and tech in general can lead from the front because we're sort of faster moving environments. We can we can adopt these policies, these changes um, more quickly than let's say a much larger organization probably could. And so so we were privileged enough to be in that position for sure. However, you know, we want to make sure that you know we're leading from the front. And then not just it's not just for us about fintech, it's about the SME economy as a whole i mean the sort of emissions and the economy of of the uk for example about 50 percent of that comes from smes so you know there's a huge part that smes will have to play in the transition to net zero and so we're we're really committed to supporting you know not just leading from the front as from fintech from a tech perspective but also to filter that down into into the wider economy and particularly into smes Perfect. And there has been rising backlash against greenwashing related to corporate net zero claims. How has that informed your own commitment? Yes, of course. And, you know, one of the things we want to be able to do is always back up our um, what we're doing with the data, you know, to really kind of say this is what we've done. You know, we've had... um, you know, we've we've calculated our emissions. We've even gone so far as having that audited by a third party. You know, we've been very thoughtful about how what we've purchased in terms of the 
the carbon removal credits. These are um, registered in a, in a registry and have been retired forevermore. So, you know, there's things you can do to um, to legitimise the the efforts. I think that in the past, probably some of that has been not so possible or achievable. But the the technology, the ability, the understanding, the kind of the whole ecosystem has moved on a lot over the last decade. And we fundamentally now is now it now is a time when you can attain credibility you can you know by being deliberate about what you do by being very transparent that's very key you know we're open to being challenged on anything we do we want to be transparent it's very it has been a very um you know conscious effort for us to to make sure that we're doing the right thing um but not that's not to say that we're the only ones who can do the right thing you know there's other ways to do this this is this is a path we've carved with guidance around sbti by talking to industry leaders and these sorts of things. So, so we think that there's a emerging um, way to think about this, uh, but that could change over time and we'll be led by data. You know, we, we will always do the right thing based on prevailing wisdom of, of you know, the, the top minds in this space. And, you know, you're also currently calling for fintech companies to take full advantage of emerging durable carbon removal marketplace. So why are so few companies buying durable carbon removals? What do you think are the barriers? I think, I think honestly, it took us a long time uh, to understand the, you know, what a durable, what's the difference between a durable carbon removal versus, let's say, a green carbon removal where you're planting trees. Uh, ultimately, I think the science thinking around this leads the way, you know, that that's where the science-based targets initiative comes from when it's saying to, to, in, to guarantee the, the durability, to guarantee the longevity of your carbon removal purchases and, and what you're doing there, you need to think about the permanence, you know, so, so green removal technology where you're planting trees is great and it's better absolutely than doing nothing. However, um, that you cannot guarantee the longevity of a tree through disease or fire or um, you know the fact that at the end of its life it's likely to be cut down and not necessarily replanted. So so those things are not going to 100% remove the carbon in our sort of medium term like um, timescales. So durable carbon removal, that sort of definition is at least 100 years or more in terms of durability, in terms of longevity. And so we led a bit by the science there. We It took us a while to understand this, and particularly myself, it is a more expensive way to, to purchase removal technology. So that's a barrier. There is a barrier about cost here. And so, but the market is very nascent. And so, so really we have to take a lead. We have to make a stand. So the more people invest in this technology, the more there will be supply um, at the moment, there is too limited supply. There's actually reasonable amount of demand, but the supply is probably the main problem. And if the supply could increase, the, the price would come down. And so therefore, it become more affordable to do this versus other technologies. So so really, it's, it's, it's a, there's a bit of a challenge there that needs to be navigated, but it, it requires cross-business um, thinking. It requires... Uh, probably, I would say, I would like to think some government intervention as well in due course. It hasn't happened today, sadly, with the the Green Day announcements that we saw in the UK. But you know, hopefully, in the future, 
we'll start to see more thinking around this hugely important topic. Because like I said earlier, technology can be a huge part of solving the problem. And we'll put our minds to it as a, you know, as a race, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out um, as a human, humans will figure out this problem with technology. I, I'm, I'm certain of that. That's what we've done throughout um, throughout time. Throughout and, history, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, throughout history, we've, yeah. we've we've always solved problems with technology, and that's one of the reasons I I sit here working in a tech company is that I I believe in technology. I believe it solves a problem, and and ultimately. Um, I, I believe fundamentally that uh, the the problem of climate change can be in part solved by technology. It's not only going to be solved by technology. We need to change our behaviours. We need to reduce our emissions. There's lots of other things to do here, but a big part of it will be, um, you know, figuring out ways to capture carbon uh, in a, in, a, in an efficient way. So so, you know, more let's see more of that happening and encourage all fintechs and all tech businesses to. To learn more on this topic and very happy to to speak to anyone who's listening to this podcast about, okay. about it if, if they so choose to reach out to me you listeners heard it you know where to find ian uh but thank you for sharing and as they say right necessity is the mother of invention and that has uh, been exactly. the truth uh, pretty much especially when it comes to technology and i guess as an industry we have to start somewhere right at the end of the day yes we have to start doing and not talking so exactly. this is... actions speak louder I... I have a lot of videos coming out of me today <laughs> but there have also been some great progress from cross-industry groups like bankers for net zero what are they doing in the space yeah so we've been uh we've been uh, working with bankers for net zero for a few years now as well um they're a cross-party group helping to navigate this uh, topic uh, of how banks can support um, not just SMEs, but banks in general can support uh, retail SMEs, corporates to uh, to actually um, help everyone on the journey to net zero. And banks definitely have a part to play, not least in terms of green finance, you know, and, and finding ways to, to provide uh, lending for green finance initiatives around you know whether that's solar panels or retrofitting, um, you know heat, heat pumps, etc. So, so there's a lot that can be done in the banking and the finance industry as a whole to to actually accelerate the the net zero initiatives um, in the UK and beyond. They, 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 and they'd be great to work with. So, so we get the seat at the table to kind of talk about these things and be able to sort of in doing so potentially help influence policy um, and so so we get a seat at the table to do that which is is absolutely brilliant there's a new project being kicked off this year specifically around uh, SMEs which Tider are, are very um, supportive of and we're going to get get involved with um, and and that's incredibly exciting so that's again another initiative that will accelerate the the journey for SMEs in and on, on net zero as well so so these these are uh, these things are there. There are plenty of initiatives going on. I think that the next phase, you know, as we, you know, are unlocking technology that can really support, uh, and you know, fintechs in particular and banks who are becoming more like fintechs can actually support their um, their customers with technology. I think it's going to become even more pertinent that we have a sort of ability to to speak about policy about. You know frameworks. There's a lot still to be done about 
standardizing the way we calculate the uh, the carbon emissions that's there is not really a one source of truth on that at this point in time there is not really one one standard that everyone uses you know i'm personally passionate as an accountant myself i'm personally passionate about helping to solve that problem if we can you know help there so there's a lot to be done um and lots of people are thinking about it i think that there, there's more the way i see it now is there is more happening there's more doing than talking than it was, let's say, a couple of years ago when we first started talking about it. So, so I'm excited for the future, future there too. And that's amazing, right? That's how that's how uh, the industry is built as well. And um, you know, before I let you go, just two very quick questions for you as well. I know you have mentioned this a little, but if you can elaborate a little more, and how do you think as an industry, what can we do more uh, to get towards a net zero world? Yeah, it's a great question. I think to to you know to finish up here and 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 really for tide the way tide are going to approach this for SMEs. Let me tell you, you know, our plans there. We would we really want to help any SME come to tide and figure out their own carbon footprint because that's the thing that needs to be demystified. People, it's very difficult for people to do that today. You know, so whether that's a consumer app or our SME app, that there are ways to do it. So leaning into that and and helping businesses, consumers, individuals, corporates figure out their own carbon footprint is step one. Then that allows them to have the data to be able to say, right, here are my emissions. These are the top five categories and then provide different tools and different uh, thinking around how we might be able to reduce those, those emissions over time. At the same time as that, we want to be able to offer our members the tools to be able to purchase removals uh, if they so choose to help them on their net zero journey. So we're doing a number of initiatives there around that whole framework of being able to help an SME understand more. I think that demystifying is a big part of solving the problem because it is a bit daunting. I mean, we've been on a journey for two years now and it took us a long time to, to get to where we are. But I think technology will help solve that problem for people in a, in a mass market way. Um, spe more specifically, you know, we we've recently acquired a business called Funding Options, who are a lending uh, platform, and they, you know, they, you know, had a really good chat with them recently. They they have also a green finance um, initiative around trying to find ways to um, help SMEs get more finance that's helping them support green initiatives now. I can see that there are challenges there. That in particular, there are not enough green finance solutions for the smaller end of the SME market, for the micro SME, whether that's to buy solar panels or to invest in, you know, retrofitting, you know, buildings to invest in air, air source heat pumps, anything that can provide, you know, greener uh, transport technology like electric vehicles, you know, these sorts of things are not readily available as financial um, lending capability today. Uh, and so the more we can see that, and I think in particular, the more the government can do to kind of support the finance industry as a whole to be able to offer more competitive terms when it comes to green finance, that will really accelerate things, not just in SME, but also in consumer. So I don't think there was enough announced on Green Day by the government. I think that they have missed a little bit of a trick in terms of you know, what we can do to accelerate things uh, on the whole. Uh, some good stuff was announced, but yeah, I think there's there's some, there's more that can be done there. Uh, and I would like to see more, for, more of that in the future. Yeah, there's always more that we can do, of course. Um, and it's and it's an extremely important 
um, initiative, which every industry, every company should be taking, and everybody as an individual on an individual level as well. And Ian, before I let you go, before we close, any words of advice you would like to pass on to your fellow colleagues in fintech who are basically on the ESG journey right now? Sure. I mean, um, as I said before, you know, anyone who's kind of interested in this, please feel free to reach out um, uh, through LinkedIn. I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm available there. Uh, happy to share more thoughts um, on that. I'm, I'm speaking at a, a an event for CFOs uh, soon. Um, you know, so so I'm sharing my journey. Uh, I think it's important that you know we we do that. Um, my advice is, you know. To, to you know if if you if you're passionate about this find you know the first step really is to to help to to get your sort of colleagues or your board your your um your ceos involved and and you know help them understand the the topic uh, by first of all calculating your emissions there are lots of great companies out there who can help you do that and uh, that would be your first step um, and it's uh, it's not it's becoming a lower barrier to entry all of the time. So so I think that that is something that everyone can be doing today. Um, and, and ultimately, in the end, we're going to all, I think that, that it will quite rightly end up with being a sort of more of a mandatory thing. So the sooner people do it, the better. And, you know, that's the first step. And then there's lots of things that we can do about thinking about our own uh, um reductions over time you know travel policies and and all the rest of it so so yeah i think the first thing to do is do something uh and then take it from there basically start the journey and then contact ian on linkedin that's all i would say no but that's amazing thank you so much ian for speaking with us today and thank you for sharing tide's inspiring journey towards net zero with us no problem. Thank you very much for having me. It's been really good to chat. Yes. And for those on this journey, please feel free to reach out to the team at Tide, to you know us at Innovate Finance. This is a cause just close to all our hearts. Um, and here's to a net zero future, right? At the end of the day. Thank you again, Ian. And to our listeners, thank you once again for tuning into Coffee with Innovate Finance. Do look out for upcoming episodes and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn for more on our events and programs. As always, until next time, please take very good care of yourselves.